Purple get ready to roll indeed. This is the College and Kimball podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Burkhart, getting set to provide you guys, our loyal listeners, with yet another of the Know Your Enemy Big 12 preview series. We're going to be taking a look at our Farmageddon rivals today, Iowa State. Before I do dive into that preview, a call to action to our listeners. Follow us on Twitter at college underscore Kimball. If you haven't had a chance to already, subscribe to our podcast on whatever your preferred app is. We are on all the major platforms, which, as you would assume, covers Apple and Spotify. Got that out of the way? Let's now sound the tornado sirens. Design roll. Extension. Catch made. Touchdown, Xavier Hutchinson. Young man is gone to the end zone. Number 21, Jirel Brock for a touchdown. We now welcome on the man, the myth, the Twitter legend, wide right, Natty Light. And I don't feel like I can or should use your legal name here, so I'm not going to. I wanted to start off talking about the 2021 season. This time last year, Tons of buzz about the Iowa State program. This was a bona fide Big 12 title contender by a lot of national outlets. This was a team that was going to be a dark horse playoff contender. They had so much production coming back from that Fiesta Bowl winning team in 2020. A lot of this hype was justified. And unfortunately, Iowa State ends up coming up on the short end in a lot of one score games. This was still, at the end of the day, a team that was pegged correctly and being a nine or 10 win type team, they just could not find a way to consistently close out close games last season. And I wanted to ask for the Iowa state fan perspective on what that season felt like, because really since year one of Campbell, he's turned the clones into a, a very reliable seven, eight win team year in and year out. And when you feel like you've got the roster to go in and and not just contend for, but win a Big 12 championship, I have to imagine there was a fair amount of disappointment last season. But was that assuaged maybe by the fact that this is still fairly new for Iowa State fans, that that the success is there, that we're still in that very early stage, maybe not the honeymoon stage of the Matt Campbell era, but that maybe the better times are, are still ahead for this program. Looking back, like last season, I don't like. I still like don't consider it a failure or anything like that. It's just it, you know we didn't we didn't meet these sky high expectations because that, and that's that's the problem here is that we are in a we live in a world where like it's results results results. What have you done for me? That's not what are you, it's not what did you do for me yesterday. It's what did you do for me five minutes ago? And we expect like you know you expect or society expects continuous ex- exponential growth. It's, it's what well, you started at two. Well, let's get to, let's get to four. Well, we get to four. Well, you should be able to get to six now, right? Well, you get to six. Great. You should be able to get to nine. Well, the difference is going from two to six wins is not nearly as hard as it is from going from seven to nine or seven to 10 or eight to 10. The gap, like the, the margin for error shrinks so dramatically. Once you're, once you're over about seven or eight wins, it gets really hard to get, more wins beyond that. And I think a lot of people see like, well, you know, you know, if let's say, let's say Kansas, they go, you know, they went two years, one year. Now they win four. Now let's say, let's say Kansas wins six next year. Are they going to expect Lance Leopold to win eight the next year? And then if he does, let's see, he does that. Are they going to expect Kansas to win 10 games the next year? I mean, maybe, 
because that's kind of how this works. That's how the hype machine works. But that's not how that's not how college football works. That's not how building a program works. Like you, it's just you can't just. There's there comes a certain point where you where the 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 grind or the slog to get from eight to nine wins or eight to ten wins or whatever it is 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 twice as much work as you had to do to go from two to six, and. It's, it's some of it, some of it's recruiting, but a lot of it is taking care of business on defense and special teams and, and winning turnover battles and taking and doing the, doing the consistently doing the things that really good programs do. And that's, and that's, and that's taking care of business and making sure you don't hurt yourself and things like that. And I would say it has generally been good. They're one of the least penalized teams in college football over the last, over the, over the Matt Campbell. I mean, it's like, they're like one of, I think they're first among power five teams and one of the, one of the best on just in the entirety of division one. Um, as far as not, like not penalizing themselves, but they've also not exactly been turnover hawks, like, you know, in the, under the Matt Campbell era too. They don't they don't generate a lot of turnovers, and they part of that is a trade off for the type of defense they like to play, which has been extremely successful. So it's kind of a trade off there. But you, turnovers are a huge part of this. So if you're turning the ball over once or twice a game or something like that, but you're not getting, but you're getting zero or one per game, you're you're consistently tying or losing the turnover battle. And that gets really hard. And when you're losing turnover battles, that makes it really hard to pull through in those one in those really tight games, the one score games, which Iowa State was on the back and was on the wrong side of a lot last year. Iowa State was just plus two in the turnover margin last season. And when you see the two and five mark in the one score games, it becomes fairly easy to draw a line back to that statistic. But these things are cyclical, and to that end, I'm sure Iowa State fans hoping for a, a turn of fortunes here in 2022 and perhaps some better ball security, specifically from the quarterback position. Uh, that's not to say that Iowa State doesn't have a lot of other holes to fill. You obviously have Brock Purdy at QB, one of the most decorated passers in school history, moving on and getting drafted here this previous April. You have Brees Hall, racked up 20 touchdowns a season ago. Chase Allen, Chase Kohler, you lose a handful of guys on the offensive line. Iowa State has a lot of voids on that side of the ball. They rank 125th nationally in terms of returning production coming back on the offense at just 37%. There's been a fair amount of chatter about the QB position specifically, and a lot of people are saying that Hunter Deckers is going to be an upgrade as it compares to Brock Purdy. Is it safe to say that QB is the position of least concern for Iowa State fans? I don't think you're off base. Um, I think there's, 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 I'll kind of reframe your question a little bit because there's really only one position of concern on offense is what maybe is, maybe is how I'll rephrase it. So like quarterback, you, you said hundred acres. If you don't, if you don't know him now, you, you will know him. He's the starting quarterback. He was a, he was a, a four-star recruit. Um, he's bigger, taller, faster, stronger than Brock Purdy. I mean, he's got his, his physical skills are, are top tier. Um, and if he, and really the, honestly, the only reason he was ranked so low is because he went, he played at the, at one of the lowest levels of 11, he played at the lowest level of 11 man football in Iowa. Um, so it's really, really tiny school. And uh, so he, he just didn't get out as much as he maybe, maybe could. He was an elite 11 guy, which is interesting. Um, but he, uh, he's a, he's a really talented guy. He's got a big time arm. Uh, he's quick. He's, he's, he's a better runner than Brock. He's got a bigger arm. Um, accuracy will be, will be, will be an early thing. Accuracy and decision-making will be, will be the early things that we're going to be looking for from Hunter Deckers. The athleticism, the, the physical traits are all there. He, he throws a gorgeous ball. If you ever want, if you want to see what Hunter Deckers pass looks like, 
there's he, there's a couple of them I would point you to. He's, he hasn't thrown very many passes in college yet because he's, he's really only played kind of in garbage time and uh, a couple of times if Brock's been kind of shaken up for a drive or two. But if you watch in the, in the 2020 season against Kansas, he came in in the fourth quarter and delivered one of the prettiest passes I've ever seen. Just a beautiful arcing pass right over into Joe Skates in the corner of the end zone um, against Kansas. And then he threw another one that was really un, kind of an underrated throw. Is they it gets overshadowed because the the catch by Brace Hall was so incredible. But it was against Oklahoma last year. And he was rolling out to his right and just threw this beautiful touch pass right to Brace Hall, who then fell back. You know, he was falling backwards and caught it one hand. It was an unbelievable catch. Um, but the throw itself was actually really good as well. Um, he throws a great ball. It's going to be early on because he's young, hasn't played a lot. It's decision making and it's accuracy, just like every young quarterback. Um, that said, if tr- the trend continues with Matt Campbell quarterbacks and that they're ten- they're generally pretty much ready to go, um, which is kind of an underrated thing that a lot of people don't haven't like don't notice with the Campbell era is that generally speaking, Iowa State has had pretty good quarterback play under Matt Campbell. Um, you think you think obviously Brock Purdy, and then you think back to uh, Kyle Kemp, and before him, he kind of had had a little meltdown at the end. But Jacob Park was actually very good before him. And and stuff like that. They've had they've generally had a pretty good track record of quarterback play under Matt Campbell. And Hunter Deckers is is the most talent, the most naturally gift of, of the bunch. Um, so I think he's got a chance to be really good. Uh, the running back position would be the other one that a lot of people would probably point to as like, oh, what's going to happen here? Because we went they went right from Dave Montgomery to Brees Hall and two NFL guys, and now they're now they have a new guy that has to come in. Um, the kind of incumbent there is Jarrell Brock. He was a four-star running back that came out with Brees Hall, um, was heavily recruited. He came down at the end of Iowa State and Iowa, um, kind of actually kind of like Brees Hall. Um, but Iowa State ended up getting Jarrell Brock. He just he's he's a he's a talented guy. He he's played more as as his career has gone on. Unfortunately, he's just had to sit behind Brees Hall, um, which you know that's there's not there's you know I would argue that basically nobody in college football would have started over Brees Hall. Not too many. Uh, no, yeah, I can't. Maybe maybe one or two, but like it, it they'd been splitting carries at best. But anyways, um, like he, he's a plenty talented guy, but he's not the only one. He's he he's the expected guy to be up up at the top of the depth chart at the beginning of the season. But you've got guys behind him. Deion Silas is who, um for Kansas state fans, he's, he is the size, you know, he's a little bit bigger than Deuce Vaughn. Um, but he looks he, honestly body type. He looks a lot like Darren Sproles where he's short stocky. Um, but he's really quick in space, stuff like that. I'm not saying he's Darren Sproles, but what I'm saying is he, he is that kind of body type and he, he actually kind of plays like him too, a little bit. He's really, really good in space. He's quick. Um, things like that. We'll see what he uh, pans out to, but early returns on him last season were good. Eli Sanders is a bit, was a good, uh, running back recruit out of, out of Arizona. Big time speed, good pass catcher, um, definitely a good compliment to kind of the group. And then there's kind of the dark horse that showed up in spring practice, which I would say had a couple open spring practices, and we had a chance to, I had a chance to watch him live. And a guy, his name is Cartevius Norton, uh, freshman running back out of Florida. I don't, I don't honestly know what his playing type is going to look like, just because the room is is really, really talented right now, and he just may get buried a little bit. And he's a true freshman, but I will say that he is an extremely naturally gifted runner. I mean, he's a very good runner. Needs to work on his route running and his pass catching uh, for sure. But he's, a, he's quick. He's, he's elusive, but he's, he's, he runs with power. It's, he's a, he's a really, he's a very gifted runner um, just as a pure, just a, a running back. Um, and so I, we'll see. I don't, I don't know if he's going to get any carries and he might, 
but it wouldn't shock me to show him up on the two deep or something like that. Like if he showed up at the, if he showed up on the two deep, you know, on uh, September 1st, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. Um, that said, I think I said, I think Gerald Brock is kind of the, the bell cow or not. I don't think there's a bell cow actually in this. I think like it's, we're, I think we're not going to have a running back that averages, you know, 25, 30 carries a game. Like we have the last, you know, the last two running backs. Um, but the running back, the running game itself is in good hands as far as the running backs goes. There's four guys there that if any of them were listed top of the depth chart tomorrow, any of them would be fine. Nobody's, nobody is, I don't, I would think no, very, very few people have a preference of one or one or the other. Maybe Jarrell just because he's been kind of waiting in the wings the longest, but so he's kind of the sentimental favorite, but from a, just from a pure talent perspective, I don't think there's anybody that everyone's like, Oh my God, it can't be this guy or it has to be this guy. Sounding like replace Brees Hall in the aggregate, which no shame in doing right. that again. It's, it's hard to, to just account for almost 1500 yards and 20 touchdowns. Right. And yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the, the greatest running back in school history, he can't just, can't just one-to-one replace him. And like you said, kind of like, kind of like in Moneyball, it's like, how do we replace Jambi? We don't, we find three guys that replicate him. And, and like you said, though, kind of a an embarrassment of riches really going from David Montgomery, who was just a monster, and and right to Brees Hall, no drop off whatsoever. So it, it'll be an, interesting. Almost to, an uptick. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you could you could definitely argue that I, I felt Brees Hall maybe a, a twitch faster and had a little bit more wiggle. He, he's in fast. His game. I mean, he ran a, he ran a four three eight at the combine at two hundred and twenty five pounds. Yeah, that's cooking. <laughs> and and again, as K State fans know, tough to let a kid get out of Wichita and go and, and recap. I, would say, I, I tell you what though, Iowa state's been pounding the Kansas city and the Wichita areas recently. Like they they've cause uh, Nate Shieldhaas is from Kansas city and he's take, he's kind of taken that region and really gone after. And Iowa state's pulled some good players out of Kansas in the last few classes. Oh, sure. I, um, I actually went down, um, Jalen Knoll. I, I, I caught a game. Uh, I love, against I love a, Jalen Knoll. He's great. Caught a game against uh, Liberty North uh, up around where I live, and I know that's yep. every time I see a kid in the Northland up here, somebody from if it's Park Hill, Liberty North, Liberty High, you know, Rocker, yeah. any any kids in this area, I feel like Iowa State's getting in on. And Shieldhouse was a rock a Rockhurst guy, if I remember right. So that sounds right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a very fertile recruiting ground around here, and and thankfully Kansas City's K- underrated. It, it's underrated for the for the college football talent that's hang, that's hanging out in the in the. Kansas city Metro and the, in the surrounding area that's it's underrated. And, and that's really, I think one of the things that really attributed to Iowa state's rise, they started beating out the Nebraska's the K States and, and Missouri's of uh, in this area who would normally just be kind of choice one, one choice that, two. And that was know. one of the things that Campbell uh, that he emphasized when he got here is that he was going to, he was going to emphasize a six to eight hour radius around campus, which fortunately for Iowa, that includes a lot of big metros that has a lot of, you know, because get up to know, Minneapolis, get over Minneapolis, <laughs> Chicago, St. Louis, Kansas City. Those are all within six hours. And so that that works out pretty good for that. Um, and they've they've done a they've done an excellent job. They've started pulling. They they just pulled a couple of really good guys out of Minnesota for this past class that were heavy because Minnesota is kind of like I is. It's Minnesota is like Iowa was or maybe still kind of is, but more so is getting becoming more of a was where if you're a really good player in Minnesota, unless you're a five-star Alabama type, you're probably going to Minnesota. And Iowa was like that for a long time when Iowa State was bad, that it was like, if you're a really good player and you're not an Alabama type, you're going to go to Iowa, something like that. And 
that that has started to shift. I would say, does especially in the last few classes, have has really started to to pluck out some really really high end guys from Iowa. Um, but I would Iowa State went in and got some really good really good guys from Minnesota that Minnesota was really hard after, and they've they've gone into Wisconsin now and grabbed a couple of Wisconsin targets at tight end and and uh, and a defensive defensive end. Um, so pretty, I, I would say it's winning battles. Like you said, they're, they're winning battles that they didn't used to. And right now they're looking, they're looking good on a guy, um, that's, uh, got a, he just picked up an offer from Notre Dame. Um, and they, who has an outstanding recruiting class coming in and, you know, a couple of four-star guys that have had, that have a lot that have tons and tons of offers and they're starting to hang on, hang, hang on to these guys, JJ Cole. Uh, it's quarterback from Ankeny, home, homegrown kid. He's a, he's a legacy recruit, um, but he had all he had offers from all sorts of people. Um, he was a, one of the top performers at the Elite Eleven. He's he border. He's he's a high. He's like a mid four star now, and he's he's trending up towards kind of a high four star, low, you know, potentially squeak into a five star kind of thing. Um, he's a a really great quarterback, um, and that's a guy that probably would have gone to Iowa ten years ago. Man, landscape is changing, and I'm just looking at the 2022 class. Uh, Dominic Orange out of Kansas City, Missouri. Jason Essex, wide receiver, Kansas City, Dominic Missouri. Orange, Dominic Orange might be playing this year. He's he's apparently he has really gone. He he's really blown up in spring camp. Apparently, you might see Dominic Orange. That speaks to some of the departures on the defensive side of the ball. Will McDonald, kind of the stalwart that everybody's going to know about. He's going to be a contender for the defensive lineman of the year in the Big Twelve. But really surrounding him, as as we kind of alluded to, not a whole lot of known commodities. And, and I guess where's the biggest void that Campbell and company are needing to fill on this defense? Biggest concern is corner. It has been pretty much the entire Campbell era. Yes, you you do lose Mike Rose. They found a guy out of his. He was a transfer from Delaware named Colby Reader. If you watch his game film, it's pretty hard to distinguish him from Mike Rose. He's a, he's a, he's a functionally a Mike Rose clone. I mean, it's K state was in on him too. That was another battle. Again, Colby reader. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And he's, he's, I think he's, he's a plug and play. You plug him in here. You got another Mike Rose done and done. Um, Orion Vance is back in the middle of that defense, uh, which just came out the other day or whatever, but he's running a, running a clean 260 pounds at middle linebacker. So we'll see what happens there. That dude, he's a, as a, as a middle blitzer, he's, he's a force as a middle blitzer already. So we'll, I'll be curious to see how they use him. Uh, Cause 260 pounds is a big middle linebacker in the big 12. Um, and they've got a couple other really good young guys on, on, uh, on at the, at the other uh, linebacker spot. Defensive line will be, will be fine. You do lose any Wazirike. Um, but you've got a couple defensive tackles coming in behind him that are really good. And obviously you have Will McDonald, who, um, along with uh, Kansas State's defensive end, who I, whose name is escaping me right now. Felix DK Uzama. <laughs> yes. I, don't, I honestly probably couldn't have just come up with that. No, I don't, no, I, I, I don't expect many people to. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but honestly, him and Will McDonald are probably the two best defensive ends. Uh, well, besides, and besides, like, what's his name from Alabama? Those, like, those are like the three best pass rushers in college football. I, in my mind. And I mean, Will McDonald is getting ready this year. He'll probably break Von Miller's uh, career sack record for the big 12. And he's got, he's got a non-zero shot to break the NCAA career sacks record. Um, it'll, t- it'll, it take a big season from him. I think it's like 24 sacks or something like that. He'd, he'd like, he'd have to have a huge season. Um, but Will McDonald has a chance to be like an all time pass rusher. 
um, not just in the Big 12, but in, in college football history. Um, and he's, and to my knowledge, he still has not started a game in his entire career, um, which is interesting. It's, I mean, that's more so a product of the fact that Iowa State rotates defensive players all the time. They run, I mean, they basically run 20, 23, 24 deep. But, anyways, back to the hole in the defense corners. Um, that has been, that has been the, uh, kind of the, the worry spot for a while. Now they've had Anthony Johnson, who's been all big 12 performer since he got, since he stepped on campus, he's moved to safety um, be, partially because we, you lose Greg Eisworth and Ishim young, which I, Greg Eisworth is a much bigger loss than Ishim young, but you still need to replace those two guys, especially Greg Eisworth. Anthony Johnson moves back to kind of take Eisworth's spot. Um, and so now your, your safeties are in good shape. Yeah. Bo Freeler, Anthony Johnson, and then, um, Verdell Edwards, I think, is who's going to be the other, or or it could be, could be Mason Chambers. Either way, safeties are in good shape. Linebackers are in good shape. You feel good about the defensive line. Corner is where the where the where the the worry spot is. There's there's a lot of really interesting talent there. There's a lot of talent there, but it's unproven so far. Now you have right now, I would kind of project the starters to be T.J. Tampa on one side, which is one truly excellent name for a corner especially one from Tampa, Florida. Very much so. Um, yes. Um, so TJ Tampa on one side, tr- tremendous athlete. I think I, he, he had his vertical measured in high school at like 40 inches or something. He's a ridiculous athlete. Um, but you got to still kind of get his, it's, you still got to be a corner at the college level. There's still a lot of the mental game that he's got to, he's got to be more consistent. Um, the other one across from him um, is Miles Purchase. Um, played a bunch last year, especially towards the end against Clemson. And really came on strong last year. Has a chance to be kind of the the number one corner. I think he's he projects really well. He's a young guy, but he's very good. Um, both of them are young guys, though. And behind them, I was like I said, I would say runs two deep at basically every position and three deep at some. Um, so behind him, behind them is get you know Tavon Kyle's been here a long time. Um, is a, in a, is a solid corner. He's not gonna blow you away, but he's good enough. Um, Tavon Kyle there. The fourth one is interesting because um, the the guy that's I think right now would probably be projected to be the fourth corner, the 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 backup to the to the second corner. Um, right now, I think is going to be Darian Porter, which is he was a he's a converted wide receiver, and what what makes Darian Porter really interesting? One okay, so one it sounds like the the transition from receiver to corner has gone extremely well for him and he's picked it up really fast. What makes Darian Porter really interesting is two things. One, he is 6'4". Um, two, he owns the Iowa High School 200-meter dash record at 6'4". He, is an, he, is a, he has speed, he has height, he has length. If, and that's a, like 6'4 with, 200, with, with you know, record-setting 200-meter track speed. That is a big-time foundation to build a cornerback on. If the mental game is there and he has a, he has good technique and he and he picks up the position and understands it well and can play it well, that is a huge huge upside player at that position. If you, I mean, having having, I mean, six four is a humongous corner, and but having track speed that is equal to smaller corners is such a a tremendous platform. I don't know if he's going to get it together or not. I don't know how much he's going to play. The early word is that he has picked it up really well. If he does, I would say it has a chance. The 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 ceiling 
on Iowa State's corners this year is very high. The athleticism is off the charts, um, and there's some really, really high high ceiling guys there. However, there's a lot of youth there, and and youth at corner makes things difficult because sometimes you just get beat. Now, granted, Iowa State's defense does generally is kind of built to and does generally a very good job of covering up for mediocre corner play, but you can't do it forever. You, your corners have to do their job at some point. So that's that's gonna be the worrying spot going forward. It's gonna be it's gonna be the point of concern until it isn't. That's a good good starting formula. I do have to touch on special teams here briefly because you talked so much at length and and something that's obviously very relevant to K State and other programs of this ilk. But winning in the margins with kicking game with punting game. I'm just going off of what I'm seeing in, in a lot of my in my magazines here, and we've got freshmen projected at both kicker and punter. Is this going to be a hold your breath and hope type of thing, or do we feel pretty confident in Tyler Bittman coming and taking over kicking duties? So specifically, so first off for punter, he was a five-star punter coming out. He's one of the best punters in the country. He was like, he was a five-star punter coming out. Um, <clears throat> no concern there. Iowa State has trotted out punters. You know, true freshman punters are not as long. I mean, kicking and punting is always a mental game anyways, and you either got it or you don't. Sure. And sure. And a, a five-star freshman is every bit as capable as being a good being a good punter as a as a as a as a senior, you know, or maybe even more so because sometimes the seniors turn into head cases. Freshmen, you know, they, like I said, they, they either got it or they don't. If he's if he can punt now, he can punt in four years. If he can't punt now, he might not be able to punt in four years. So it's kind of one of those things. Um, but you feel pretty good about it. I would say it's had good success with that before, and I would kind of continue expect that to continue. Um, kicker is going to be a little bit tricky. That's probably going to be a little bit of a step back this year, partially because Andrew Mevis was so good last year. He was unbelievably good. Um, and so we'll see Tyler Bittman. One thing that we went, that they've noticed since, uh, the 2020 season, especially is that the kickoff specialist was, they never could land on a kick kickoff specialist and nobody had any sort of big leg that they could, they, they could get touchbacks or anything. So they fixed that with Andrew Mevis. And since then, and who had a huge leg and he, he, you know, produced uh, touchbacks on it at a huge frequency. Um, and since then, a lot of the kickers that they've gone after one, they've, they've, so they've changed their philosophy on this one. They used to use Chris Saylor for getting kickers. They finally started listening to Jamie Cole from Cole's kicking camps, who is the most reputed special teams evaluator prospect evaluator in the country. And is also an Iowa state legacy and the father of Iowa state commit JJ Cole. Um, so they finally started listening to him for once. So that's good. Two, they started taking guys, kickers especially, that have bigger legs, which is good. Um, they needed that. There was they had some guys there that were they were fine, accurate under under thirty five yards, but beyond that, it was a it was a crapshoot. Um, so they've gotten guys that can that can that can uh, poke it in from a little bit further out now. Um, again, freshman kicker, you know, there's not a lot of physical development that happens from your freshman to your senior year of kicking. And it's a lot of it's such a mental game too. You, you kind of either got it or you don't, you know, there's plenty of, there's plenty of guy you know, plenty of kickers that come in that just never figured out. And there's some that are really good right away. We'll see. I, Tyler Bittman's very talented. He was a highly rated kicker. Um, just like, just like our, uh, just like our incoming punter, both very highly rated and we'll see, you know, it's kind of one of those things. We know that he's got a huge leg and will and will be a uh, an asset on kickoffs, being able to produce touchbacks pretty regularly. So that's good. That's that's you know, 
if you can get that out of a freshman where you can get like they're fine on field goals and you can and you can get them get touchbacks and basically eliminate the return game that's not a bad that's not a bad season take it and run with it for yep. sure and i mean the, the, this the for special teams the 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 thing that's always been so frustrating and so confounding and is, and is honestly the biggest detriment to the special teams effort right now is what I kind of talked about earlier is the return game well, on kick returns for a long, since Kaneo Nwangu left, they've essentially just given up on the kick, the kick return game. They just didn't even try basically. It's like, well, we don't have Kane anymore. So I guess we're just not going to bother with it or whatever. Now to be fair, Kane was exceptionally good at kick returns, but you still gotta, you still gotta try. That's a thing. That's just yards. That's potentially huge chunks of yards, and even you know touchdowns that you're just forfeiting the opportunity. And same on punts. You know, Iowa State has, Iowa State plays punt return. Iowa State plays punt return. Like Matt Campbell got beat by a fake punt sometime like 15 years ago, and has just decided to never <laughs> let, never ever get beaten by a fake punt ever again. Because they always play like if you if you're like if you play Madden or into or into play 14 or something like that. You know the the punt return safe man, every time. That's what I would say does every single time. And what you know they haven't got beat by a fake punt, so that's good. And actually, and they and they and they actually uh, stymied one. And Rory Walling stymied one in the uh, in the Fiesta Bowl. But you know, is is that is not getting beat by a fake punt once a year? Is it worth it to just completely forfeit that opportunity for for extra yards in field position? I'm a believer that it's not. I think they should try to return the ball more. And well, and honestly, they probably were going to try. I think they were getting ready to start being more aggressive on punt returns. But then the 2019 Iowa game happened when they had when they had um um God, right, he ran into Tariq Milton. What the hell? Uh, was it no? It wasn't Devontae Ruth? Who uh, was it? Um, I can't remember what his name is now. He was a corner. He wasn't very good, but he ran straight into Tariq. Streak bill and him off the punt. I remember I the play. It. I was going to yeah. say, I think a lot of people remember that, the play. The, screen, the screenshot of that has been my uh, has been my Avi in our Slack ever, <laughs> ever since. It still is of uh yeah of that of that moment. But um, you know, so that also probably made him gun shy. But one, but good news is for the first time in at least at least two years, maybe longer, I would say has a special teams coach. Well, not a coach, an analyst, but. They have someone that is focusing on special teams, so that's good. That's a step in the right direction. And, and again, there's there's hidden yardage and cutting fields from eighty yards down to sixty five, sixty yards. And again, K State fans it, can I mean, attest it. It it makes a it, it makes world I mean, of difference. K State, K State, you know, Bill Bill Center built the empire on on special teams, and and Iowa's done a lot of the same stuff. Now there's his defense and turnovers and all that, kind of like K State or whatever. But you know, it's special teams is such a huge asset and it's such a, it's such a place where you can, you can make up if you have really good special teams, you can make up for having bad offense or bad defense or something like that. You know, it's funny though, is, you know, in the Paul Rhodes era, when I would say didn't win a lot of games, a lot of the upsets that they were able to get, you know, the kind of the classic deal, the one Paul Rhodes big time upset per year that those almost always came on the backs of big special teams plays. You know, those teams were very mediocre on offense and they were, they were, they were decent defensive teams, but they were super mediocre to bad on offense. But when you have a, a decent defense that can force some turnovers and you have really good special teams, that puts you in a chance to win a lot of games that you might not win or whatever. Now, Iowa State, fortunately, has a very good defense and a pretty decent offense and now have mediocre special teams that's holding them back. It's because that, like, 
that's maybe the best way to describe it is the best way to the best way to hit your ceiling is to have really good special teams and to force turnovers. The best way to hit your floor is to have bad special teams and to, and to not win the turnover battle. And that's that's been the difference for Iowa State the last few years. In 2020, they did a great job. The special teams were pretty good, um, and they did pretty well in the turnover game. 2019 and 2021, the other direction. And in looking at the schedule for the upcoming season, there does seem to be a little bit of leeway, let's say, in that early part of the the non-con and conference schedule where Iowa State maybe won't have to rely on winning in the margin so much where, where really both sides of the ball that are breaking in so much new personnel can can maybe afford to make a couple of mistakes here and there and, and not be so far behind the eight ball after the first half of the season that a bowl game is out of reach. I, I will say, uh, out of respect for Northern Iowa, thankfully the clones dodged them in the non-conference. I hate playing you and I. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. They're North Dakota State. There's nothing to be gained for playing them. Because you're, you might lose because they're really good, and winning gets you nothing because they're still an FCS team. Like, I, I hate playing you and I so much. Oh, man. It, it is, again, <laughs> immense. Anybody that goes to schedule anyone in the Mo Valley, like, you're stupid. Yeah. Stop it. K State played Southern Illinois last year. Granted, Skylar Thompson went out in that game, but right. they lost. They almost lost that game. They ended up squeaking out with a 31 23 win. Yeah. Like, there have been, and we obviously were the idiots who almost 10 years ago now scheduled North Dakota State, and KU's lost to North Dakota State. Iowa State's lost to North Dakota State. Like, Iowa lost to them. Like, I mean, like, 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 like if, you, if you schedule a Missouri Valley Conference for a game, you know, team for your first game, you're stupid. You're just genuinely, like, you're, you're trying to lose. Yeah. Like, and like, <laughs> that's dumb because they're more prepared than you, they're better fundamentally than you are. You're just gonna have to hope and pray and hang and just hang on for dear life. Yeah, we've had far too many of those, but you do <laughs> dodge that one this year. You got Southeast Missouri. I'll, I'll go ahead and chalk that one up as a W. I have to go right. to Iowa City week two. That'll be a tough out, obviously. And, and then you your non-con wraps up with Ohio. Uh, and I, I I don't say this to be vindictive or anything, but I, I genuinely do not remember the last time Iowa State won in. Iowa City was this 2014 walk off kick by Cole Ned and I immediately he hit that I got drunk and hosted a podcast with him next week (laughs) (laughs) and I guess what and that that is always going to be a coin flip game regardless of where that game is played it's going to come down to the wire and it's It's always the dumbest game and it's (laughs) what's a weird score that we could get in the teams oh it, it was 15 to eight yeah yeah was, like, oh, like well, it'd be like it'd be like 1916 or something like yeah, that just yeah. some just and it'll, but it, it'll be the dumbest possible way to get there and it's just like Cyhawk is a big goofy mess and that's like it, that's it, that's part of what makes it endearing it's just kind of fun and for outsiders for people that hear down the trenches Cyhawk that week can be kind of a nightmare because Iowa fans are the worst but um but like from the outside it's it's endearing because it's just too it's two schools from Iowa, which is a state that almost nobody ever thinks about. And, uh, you know, and it's just this big shitty mess full of, you know, one team that just has an absolute obsession with punting and another one that just can't seem to get out of its own way. And it's, it's always a fun, goofy mess. Which role will your team have this year? Remains to be seen, (laughs) but uh, looking at that and then uh, the splits this year for the big 12, you've got four on the road and five at home. If I, my eyes aren't tripping me out here, home games against Baylor, K-State, Oklahoma, West Virginia, and tech. 
and then roadies at TCU, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Kansas. This is a big litmus test for what Matt Campbell, we hear him preach so often, is the five-star culture, building the program and everything else. And and I guess, what what is a successful season in your mind? You know, six and six, seven and five. Is that kind of the benchmark here? Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't think... So the, the way I've described this team is that the ceiling is... I think the ceiling is every bit as high as actually as it was last year, just because of the talent that's on the roster. There's just a tremendous amount of talent on the roster. Problem is most of it, a lot of it's really young and a lot of it's really inexperienced. So the floor is lower. Like where last year I thought like if everything went to absolute, went absolutely as just about as bad as it could have gone, they'd go seven and five. And that's kind of what happened. And that's kind of what they did or whatever. Just about everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. Um, that said, you know, if, if everything completely goes and falls off the wagon, these, you know, they could, they could win, you know, five games or something like that. However, I think it's still, I think it's still fair to place a six and six, you know, kind of floor on this team, six and six, but, but make no mistake though, six and six and with impressive showings in the losses, I think is, as absolutely, I think, it, I think it's absolutely a proof of concept in that, in that we are now at the point where Iowa state can start talking about reloading rather than rebuilding type of thing where, you know, that, I mean, cause we're seeing like, if, if Matt Campbell can hang on to a six and six, seven and five type of program, even after losing what they did, which is just, you know, 80% of your production basically. And, and some of it had been there forever or whatever. And you have so much inexperience coming in. If you can still keep, turn that into a seven and five program, that's an absolutely, that, that's a proof that Matt Campbell has built Iowa state into a perennial winner a winning program and is going to continue to be that going forward at this point he's like one of the with gary patterson now gone and lincoln riley gone like he's one of the deans when you start thinking about he's the second longest tenured coach in the big 12 yeah behind mike gundy who's you know but gundy's been here forever and a day now but it it, well and matt campbell's been here he's been here seven years but he's also been coaching the browns and the jags and the jets and george and and florida state and tennessee (laughs) (laughs) This whole time. So pretty impressive. He's got like nine different jobs. We we hear the name come up so often as as really one of the the hot names in coaching. And he strikes me as an Iowa State lifer unless a, a dream job happens to open up. I think to, as far as Iowa State fans, we're all pretty much past the point of worrying about it. There was there was a brief point in time this past offseason where it seemed like the USC thing might be happening. Um but like you said, like if Ohio State came open, we'd probably be we'd be worried about that. Um, but Notre Dame came open, USC came open, and lots of other big jobs have come open, and he has not gone to them. So, and and not to mention the NFL, like like half the NFL has called him and interviewed him at this point, um, and supposedly has offered him some pretty absurd contracts, um, but. Well, we've, if, if to me, if, if you're still saying like, if anybody is still saying, well, he's gone, he's gone next year. He's not going to say like, then you're just, you're literally just working on talking points from 2017. Like, I mean, to me, to me, there's no evidence whatsoever to suggest that he's looking to bounce as soon as, as soon as, you know, a good job opens up because lots of good jobs open have opened up, have called him. He's told them to F off and didn't call them back. And like he's, there's other ones where he's like, he, the NFL teams have tried to interview him and he, you know, 
a bunch of me just turned down the opportunity to interview in the first place and stuff like that. I mean, at this point, if you're not a believer that Matt Campbell loves being at Iowa state, I don't know what to tell you it, to me. Like you're being inten- intentionally ignorant. You're like, you're, you're intentionally ignoring of, of re- like you're intentionally ignorant of reality, I guess, because he's been here for seven years now. This is his seventh season at Iowa state. Uh, unbelievably. Um, this is a seventh season and he's given no indication whatsoever that he's trying to leave. He's built some huge recruiting classes, like better, like the best days for Iowa state are still ahead. Like they went, they went nine and three in a year where they didn't play three games. Like, like they, they missed out on the non-con entirely. Like if, if, you know, if everything tracks and they would have won their non-conference games, they should have, they probably go 11 and three. <laughs> like, like, and, and nobody's talking about, oh, they've never got more than nine wins. It's like, well, they got nine wins when they didn't have the opportunity to play all their games. So, you know, to me, if you're saying, like, one, the idea of putting ceilings on teams and, and coaches to me is patently ridiculous because you know what people would have said about, not saying, like, I'm not going at you guys or anything, but, like, we know what people would have said about Kansas State prior to Bill Snyder being there. Oh, the ceiling is like seven and five or eight and four because Kansas State was bad for a long time. Iowa State was bad for a long time. We were both very bad for a long time or whatever. But Bill Snyder showed up and now people believe Kansas State can be, you know, they and they did. They won 11, 12 games or whatever. You know, they they won near six games and they did, did lots of great things under Bill Snyder. There's no reason whatsoever. There's no logical explanation to believe that Matt Campbell can't do exactly the same thing at Iowa State. And we're just getting there. I would say he's in year seven of building, essentially building a program from scratch and to do what he's done in that time frame is remarkable. I mean, I would say the second in the conference in conference wins on in, during that time frame. they've spent more, they've spent more time in the AP top 25 than like, I think, I think they've spent like, I think they're in the top 10 in the country in weeks spent in the AP top, the AP top 15, I think I want to say and under the, like in the last five years or something like that. Like they've like they've been extremely good. They've been good by national standards for six years now. Not just good by Iowa State standards, but good by everybody else's standards besides Alabama and Georgia, whatever. You know, they've been good for a long time now. If you are still not on the on the board that believes that Matt Campbell has turned Iowa State into a perennial winner and can continue to win big and eventually win conference championships and things like that down the road, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and the great thing in my mind is just with with Oklahoma and Texas departing and the new members coming in and potentially newer members coming in in a couple of years, who knows? Uh, every The schools that we know will be in the fray with the, for the Big 12 all tend to recruit roughly in the same territory. TCU might have a little bit higher big, recruiting ceiling. The, big, the new Big 12 is going to be so awesome. And it's going to be so good. And we've already really, like, the Big 12, Sands, Kansas – Usually you turn on a game if it's Fox Sports 1 at 7 o'clock on a, on a Saturday or if it's, it's competitive. 11 eight, nope. It's competitive. And, and, and there are so few blowouts in the Big 12 outside of Kansas. Like, like they just never happen. And, and it pains me to say this. I think if, if KU fans are patient enough, they might actually get to a point where they, they Kansas, too are. Kansas is my sleeper bowl pick this year. I think, I, can't, I think Kansas can make a bowl game this year. And I'm not quite there yet. But no, I, I think I if get they it, got I to get, four, I, get it. I wouldn't I be shocked. It. Oh, I wouldn't be shocked at all by four, but like, I think, I think there's enough, like they can, they can, I think, I don't remember who they all play in the non-con, but I don't think it's a particularly hard non-con. Uh, they, they have 
Houston on the road and they also have Duke at home. And I think that's really, if they, they, I, I know by all accounts, they were trying to back out of that Houston game and Duke, Duke beat them up pretty bad last year. I think they hung like 52 on them if I remember right. But if they had a, a more forgiving non-con, I would say, yeah, absolutely. They can go three and zero non-con grab one conference game, grab two conference games, you know, the, seeing them get to five and seven, maybe, but they, I'm looking, that's I'm just a tough like, draw. Like Texas tech and West Virginia, they can absolutely pick those two off. Like I'm not saying they will, but they're absolutely in range for Kansas to pick sure. those two off. And there's a, there's, and then, the handful there's a handful of teams above them that are they should be good, but they're also very vulnerable. Like I think I mean, Iowa State gets Kansas. Uh, I think I think they're on the road there. So like I don't think Iowa State's going to lose to Kansas. I would say like Matt Campbell has made a made a habit of being the absolute dog shit out of Kansas, but <laughs> but that was the case before Texas Tech last year. Now granted they had to win on a crazy fucking field goal or whatever that that kicker wouldn't make ninety nine other times, but you know. Like I'm, I'm not worried about Iowa State. Like, I'm personally not worried about Iowa State losing to Kansas, but they are one of the teams that, if enough stuff went wrong for Iowa State and enough stuff went right for Kansas, it could happen. Like I don't, like I don't, I, I would put, I would put Kansas State in that. I know you may not, may not like to hear that. I would put Kansas State in that. If things enough things went wrong, they could lose to Kansas. Like I think um, Texas is absolutely in that territory. I know I realize how ta- how talented Texas is, but it's Texas. Like I, I still I think Texas is in there. TCU I think is absolutely in that range of being vulnerable enough that on the wrong day they could get picked off by Kansas. I don't know. I'm not saying they're gonna make a bowl game, but I think like if I was gonna bet on a on a like a super long odds and get great value sleeper pick as a, as a gambling bet or something like that. Oh yeah, if you're giving me I, that at like plus five hundred or pl- like hell yeah, hey, I'll take give that. Me, I was gonna say I'll throw a couple bucks on that. Just what the hell's gonna happen? You know? Yeah, but, might as well, yeah, <laughs> might as well. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, appreciate the time, my man. And uh, before I let you go here, I'll go ahead and give you a moment to to plug. And uh, where can our listeners find you on Twitter? And where can they uh, check out your content? Yeah. So for Iowa State stuff, it's uh, at wide at wide rt natty lt. It's wide right natty light. Uh, that's the name of the website too. Wide right natty light uh, We have a YouTube page. We have a Discord server. If you anybody of you are into disc, if any of you are in Discord at all. Um, our discord server is, uh, pinned at the, at the top of our Twitter page. It's an excellent, we've got 600 and something members in there now and a bunch of channels. It's an excellent discord server. If, if you're into that, I it's, if it's, if you are a big like person on message boards and forums, but you're kind of sick of how they, how toxic they can be at times, <laughs> let me give you, let me, let me provide you the antidote, which is our discord server. And I'm, I'm not, I'm genuinely not trying to like gas it up too much, but it's, it's excellent. And like the, the, toxicity is at a very very tiny tiny level um but also i've i don't know we've got a podcast uh the water and podcast network on spotify apple every, you know who doesn't have everything everywhere at this point um you know we've got yeah it's a youtube channel we do live streams all the time we've got twitch yeah i don't know we're everywhere Great conversation there with Wide Right Natty Light. Go ahead and follow him on Twitter if you haven't already. A really good Iowa State personality to follow, not just for the course of the season, but this guy will keep you entertained throughout (laughs) the entire year. So Wide Right Natty Light on Twitter. 
and you'll be able to find links to all of the content that they're going to be pushing out if you do want additional info on the Iowa State Cyclones. That is going to do it for this edition of the Know Your Enemy preview series. Again, we're going to be taking a look at each and every Big 12 team ahead of the 2022 college football season. Listener, I assure you that there will be K-State content in the last week of August and obviously as we get set to go into week one of the season. But as we fill the void here, the last couple of days of the summer, looking ahead to the fall, we're going to continue to push out these Big 12 previews. So again, we greatly appreciate the listen, the download, the stream on whatever your preferred app is. Follow us on Twitter at college underscore Kimball. With all that being said, I'll wrap it up the way that I always do. Cats, man. If you know, you know. <laughs>